Welcome to Inside Albatross. With Inside Albatross, we go behind the scenes to discover how we at Albatross work on creating the experience of a lifetime for our guests. My name is Thomas Dack and I'm your host. Our guest today is Alexander Mortensen, Danish and Swedish-speaking Albatross tour leader based in Spain. We talk about his experiences with our single travelers in Costa Brava and we check in with our long-term vacationers in Andalusia. Buckle up, here we go. Hi, Alexander, and welcome to Inside Albatross. Thank you. Uh, nice to be here. Yeah, and you're, you're with us directly from Spain. Yes, I'm sitting here in my apartment in Fuengirola, where I live all year round. And um, uh, yeah, exactly. So so uh, right here in, uh, in Andalucía, where I do most of my work. So, Alexander, we're going to hear a little bit about your work in Costa Brava in Andalucía. But I would love to hear first um, a little bit about you and your background. How did you end up in Spain and how did you end up with us at Albatross? Right. So actually, I'm born in Spain. So I was born in Marbella uh, in 1994. So uh, the hospital in Marbella was completely new. My parents moved here in 1990. Uh, that's a, a bit of a fun story, actually, because my father moved here to work and my mother was on interrail and she sort of never took the train back. So uh, so that's basically it. She stayed here, married a Danish guy. My mother is Swedish, by the way. And um, uh, yeah, you know, three kids and uh, 30 years later, here we are. So, And so, so you speak fluent Danish and Swedish? Yes, both Danish, Swedish, Spanish and English. Fantastic. Yeah, and, and uh, Albatross, that was uh, actually also uh, through one of my father's contacts. So my father uh, works with televisions and hi-fi systems and things like that. And one of his uh, direct competitors back in the day was uh, Moans, who uh, used to be the, 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 the kind of boss at the Andalusia long-term, the guy who started it down here. And um, I, I had a talk with uh, Moans about the, the tour leader job, and um, that was after he had stopped with Albatross. But, but he actually he, he told me to, uh, to give Casper a call and, uh, and see if they were interested in, in having me and... Uh, it went really quick from there. After after a couple of months, uh, I did all the different excursions and uh, and we were off. Uh, and I found out that it was something that I really enjoyed doing. So now I'm still doing the long term. And, and as you said, I'm starting to take some other excursions, some other some other trips as well. How long have you been in Albatross now? I started in 18. So uh, yeah, now uh, I, I guess... Um, if you don't count uh, the Corona years, I, I suppose uh, this is my third season without the trust down here in, in Andalusia. So what is your favorite part about the uh, tour leader job? My favorite part is meeting happy people every day, you know, relaxed people, people on vacation, people who want to listen to all the things that I have to say, both personal and uh, also about of course, Andalucía, about the history, about the food, the culture, uh, just being able to get really nerdy with things and then share that with people. And, you know, they appreciate that I can talk for three hours on end on the bus. And, uh, and that's great. That's, that's awesome. So, so that's absolutely uh, my favorite part, the nerdiness and, and at the same time, the sharing, being able to, you know, be master of the microphone, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that you have some some uh, unique insights in how it is to live in 
Spain and and also to see the 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 kind of the social life from the inside. What are some of the favorite things that you tell our guests about this? Well, I think one of my favorite things to share is um, some of these cultural clashes that we can have, you know, Scandinavians meeting Spaniards, especially when it comes to some of the language barriers, because the the Spanish are famously not very good at English. Uh, I, I actually saw just recently uh, the English proficiency index for Europe and uh, Spain is worse than France officially, 2021. And uh, yeah, that, that, that can be problematic to say the least. And um, uh, sometimes they say things in, in funny ways. Some people will have learned English just you know, the written form of it. So, uh, so when they start speaking, they, they start pronouncing things with Spanish vocals and, and Spanish uh, methods of pronouncing things and, and pronounce English words. So uh, my best example of this is um, uh, a Spanish uh, handyman who, uh, who, who was, um, th- th- this was back in 2009, and he was at our place and, and he was uh, installing some things. My dad was testing his um, uh, his new uh, hi-fi system and and this uh, Spanish guy started asking him to play macayaso on the on the hi-fi system macayaso and you know we were like what 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 the hell is macayaso so uh, after uh, like two three minutes of discussing what macayaso was he said come on you know the guy who just died and and my dad was like oh my god he's saying michael jackson but in andalusian you know that, that, that that's <coughs> yes. always a great example yeah all right, cool. So you uh, you just or recently returned from uh, Costa Brava yes. with uh, Albatross um, single concept, and I was very interested in hearing about how that went and how you experienced working with only uh, single travelers. Okay, yeah. Well, let, let me first clarify: single travelers means eighty percent women, so it's just females. Yes. And um, I've I've done this twice now, and. Um, the first time we had some female tour leaders and, and actually that, that got a bit heated sometimes between the female tour leaders and, and the, the female guests. It, it could get a bit, you know, tense. So, so this time we were two guys and um, it went really well. The, the guests were really happy. But the thing with these single travelers is um, that you have to keep them activated constantly. So e- even the days that we don't have any excursions, we either have to make an excursion up or we have to do a bunch of activities at the hotel. So we did Spanish courses, uh, we, uh, we did walks on the beach, we did things uh, so, so that they had something to do because these people are traveling alone and they want to sit together and, and all those things. That was actually something that was a little bit difficult for the hotel to understand. So I had... At the second the second day of the of the tour, I, I actually uh, almost got into a fight with a metro at the at the restaurant in the hotel because he didn't want me to uh, decide where to seat the people because he didn't want any empty spots. Uh, and uh, and yeah, after after a, a long discussion, uh, I ended up you know um, uh, taking control and and uh, seating the guests together because they they, they were. They weren't going to talk to anybody unless they, they sat together with other Scandinavians. So, so that was really important. 
and and I think those those kind of things is something that you really have to keep in mind when when doing um, uh, well the, these single trips, right? That they have an opportunity to socialize, and then that they always have activities, that they always get to be activated in some kind of way. If someone is listening and they don't know anything about our single concept, can you try and just explain what is uh, from the top down, like with the with the trip to Costa Brava? How does it look? Absolutely. So basically, it means that our guests can book a single room without the single room supplements. So this is a good opportunity for people who don't have a partner or or don't have a partner that's capable of traveling and who want to go alone and still uh, see the world and, uh, of course, make some new acquaintances. So Costa Brava uh, is basically uh, a trip where they, they fly down, they stay at this one hotel the whole time. Costa Brava specifically, the excursions mainly uh, is Barcelona, Montserrat and uh, I would say, even though it's an optional, Figueres as well. Figueres is really important. You can't go to uh, Catalonia without seeing Dali because all of Catalonia is basically surrealist. Even in the in the architecture, the modernist architecture has a lot of surrealist uh, notes to them. the The mountain of Montserrat is all this mystic mountain you know that that's been pushed up from the sea and uh, they have this marvelous church by the way where there's this little doll this this madonna right uh, which uh, supposedly has mystical powers and and can heal the sick and things like that uh, and and everything is sort of surreal because it, it's not just the madonna and the magic around that the the mountain itself has a strange energy Uh, we did um, a trip this time to something called Besalu, which is um, uh, this uh, kind of, it's a medieval city, you know, so it's, um, it, it's, it's really different from the rest of Spain, because in the rest of Spain, we had the Moors. So in, in Besalu, uh, everything looks more kind of, you know, European, more kind of French medieval. With the uh, with the sandstone, the walls, and and uh, the the big castles and things like that, and just outside outside of Besalu, in something called Rupit, everything is built on lava stone. So even even the stairs around in the city are lava stone. Just the natural flow that creates these natural steps around the city, and it, that that also adds to this surrealist feeling, you know. So I think that that's probably the key word for Costa Brava, that everything fe feels kind of unreal as well with a political situation, which is chaos. Um, my, my first year I did uh, Costa Brava uh, was uh, back in 2019. And uh, in 2017, the Catalans had an legal referendum where they sort of uh, impromptu decided to be independent, to be a republic something that uh, afterwards has had some consequences. And in 2019, I went there on um, the 11th of October, something to prepare, and the guests were arriving on the 14th. And um, just when they arrived, they sentenced nine of these politicians to, uh, to different... Uh, Penal sentences. They, they were they were sentenced to jail, basically most of them. And um, 
that meant that when we were going around in Barcelona and we were going around in, uh, in Montserrat and everywhere else, we had to avoid the roadblocks. We had to avoid the, the clashes of, uh, of people against police. We had, and you know, there were rubber bullets, burning cars, things like that. And, and it, was, it was completely crazy. And uh, this happened at a time when my wife was pregnant with our second son. Mm-hmm. And um, when I, I was there the Saturday and uh, I got a call from my mom saying that Martina had bled. So I was like, I wanted to go home at that point, basically, and get somebody else to do the tour. But the, the airport was locked down. All the flights were canceled. There was blocked. There was no way out of there. So I basically had to do this tour knowing that my, my wife was in hospital and everything went fine. She was in bed for the last 20 weeks of the, of the pregnancy and, and Victor was born perfectly healthy, but it was kind of terrifying. And I was driving, driving around there, you know, discussing with the bus driver how to get around these roadblocks, how to uh, go through a city without uh, being stopped by police and, or, or even worse, protesters. So it was, uh, it was really crazy. Alexander, how does all of this um, political turmoil that was back then, how, is that, uh, how has that fallen out now? And, and how, do, how is the status for these guys now? There's still a lot of tension, Thomas. I mean, uh, this time, just a month before we, we left for Costa Brava, uh, they um, uh, jailed Puigdemont in Italy for, for a short while and, and they put him in front of a judge in, in Sicily and... Um, Uh, during that time, they started protesting again. And um, going around the Catalan countryside, you see also all these Catalan independence flags, even on the official buildings in, in some of the smaller rural cities, Besalú, for example. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's, uh, that's kind of provocative, I think. Uh, and um, there are actually more uh, independence fighters or what you want to call them now than there were back in, in 2017 because of the whole reaction that, that has come out of it. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely something we notice still. It's definitely something we talk about a lot on the excursions because people will ask why, why, why do, does that flag have a blue triangle with a white star in it, like the Cuban flag. And, and then we have to explain this is part of the Catalan independence movement. And um, that, that's that's why it's even on official buildings because the people in this town are predominantly separatists. They want to make their own state. That's fantastic. Doing tour doing tours in political hotspots is always exciting. It's always exciting and uh, always comes with uh, challenges. Barcelona this yeah. time was also a challenge because all of a sudden we couldn't park in the city center because the mayor of Barcelona is trying to make a point that they don't want tourists basically. So uh, so we had to walk uh, 20 minutes to get to the city center, which wasn't the case last time. And some of some of the people traveling don't walk that well. And then we, we got a bit creative. We sent uh, the local guide with uh, one of the a couple of the of the people who didn't walk very well. And uh, we did the walk through the Gothic quarters and everything. So what we had to see. But but yeah, we had, we have to find creative solutions when we get thrown into these kind of situations, right? What is the logic behind the mayors um, not wanting tourists? That's a really good question. And uh, honestly, I don't know how that mayor was elected sometimes. uh, Because when you speak to the local people of Barcelona, they realize 
without a doubt that they are completely dependent on tourism. They are completely aware of that. But for some reason, the the mayor of Barcelona, who also comes from from a, a separatist party, is, isn't inter- interested in in having tourists. Uh, I guess they feel like since at least earlier the main part of of Spanish industry was in uh, in the Catalan area, then they probably felt like that was enough. Ah, yeah. Well, all right. So, but uh, back to Costa Brava and the guests. How were how did the guests find the trip? How were the, how was the reactions? I think uh, they uh, they found the trip really good, most of them at least. Um, we had a little trouble with the hotel, the the noise level in the restaurant, but overall the the guests were really happy. Uh, they had a good experience uh, during the excursions. They had a, a good experience with me and and Yale, the the other guide, and um, they uh, they got to. Uh, to know some new people. And I think that's what's most important for these single trips. They they got to make some new contacts and uh, some new friendships. Building relations across across the, the dinner table. Exactly, exactly. All right. And now then you came back to, uh, to Andalusia? Yes. Uh, so uh, I came back and uh, the day after I had left the guests in uh, Barcelona El Prat Airport, I was uh, already uh, picking up new guests for uh, Andalusia long term. So uh, two, two o'clock the day after, I was already uh, in action again. And um, Andalucía is uh, is great. I mean, it's like like an old friend. All the stress from uh, from uh, doing Costa Brava kind of washed off, and I was on these excursions that I've done a hundred times, you know. And uh, it, it felt really good, really relaxing. <laughs> so. Um, Alexander, I'm really interested in hearing about this season in, in Andalusia. How is it going and how many guests did we have and, and how many groups? So, um, uh, yeah, I think November has been really good. We've had 35 groups, so that's approximately 100, 850 people. The guests have been happy. I mean, you notice sort, uh, sort of a thankfulness to being back traveling so all the guests are really excited. They want to participate in everything, all the excursions, yeah. all the activities. I, I've actually done three wine tastings in one week at the same hotel and still haven't had enough to, to get everyone in who wanted to participate in, the, yeah. in these wine tastings. So, so it's uh, really great to notice this, you know, real um, lust for traveling. And uh, all the excursions have been filled up and it's it's been really, really good. Uh, and I can't wait to see how that's going to develop as well now in in spring, because I, I can imagine that people are still going to have the same energy and, and uh, want to travel. I think 2022 is going to be a great year. Yes, we hope so. And it, it's fun that you say this, that people are really hungering for experiences, which kind of makes sense because you've been holed up in your own kind of city or house or, or apartment uh, for, for a long time. So, of course, you want to come, get out and, and experience the world. Exactly. Uh, and Casper, uh, he told me that one of the biggest complaints was that we didn't have enough room on the excursions, which is a fantastic yeah. place to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, that we don't have um, enough room on the activities and the excursions and, and that people just want to participate. And that's such a great feeling. And the people who do participate are over the moon. I mean, it's, it's, it's always a really nice experience. And 
Uh, I mean, I'm thankful as well that I can start doing this job again, but then I see how thankful the the guests are that they're actually down here again. Many of them are, are people who've come many times already and, um, and they greet you with such enthusiasm. And, you know, it's, it's like meeting a really old friend. It's, it's great. It's great. Yeah, we have some of the some of the customers on on the the long term uh, vacation, especially in Andalusia, have been on the trip for more than ten times, yeah. which is wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. All right. If if you should if if someone has never been to Andalusia and don't know the excursions and the program, what are what are some of the highlights for you around um, around this area? So. If I have to narrow it down, uh, I mean, we have 10 excursions. I think my absolute favorite excursion has to be Cordoba. Cordoba is such an amazing cultural city. It has such deep historical roots, such amazing culture. If you took all the three Christian religions and put them in a bag, shook it around a bit and threw it out on the table, you would get Cordoba. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. The highlight of of uh, that excursion, of course, is uh, the the old mosque of uh, of Cordoba La Mezquita, which in, uh, in in actuality it's called La Mezquita, the mosque, but it's it's actually a cathedral. Uh, the reason it's called the mosque is because it's placed in the middle of the old mosque from the old Cordoba Caliphate. So it, it was the the main city of Spain back in in the. Uh, seven and eight and 900s and um, when when the Spaniards took this instead of demolishing the mosque which was the the habitual thing to do they just placed a giant cathedral in the middle of the structure and uh, it's amazing to see how the Muslims reused materials uh, from the old basilica that was in the place and then Uh, the mosque was expanded during different uh, periods, and you can see how the Umayyads grew in power. And then finally, you have this amazing Renaissance cathedral built straight in the center of the building and also reusing some of the materials, using some of the materials they picked up from the New World. And and it's just breathtaking. And I could go on about the uh, the cultural explosion that happened during the Umayyad dynasty in Spain. I mean, that was an amazing era for Spain. It really developed everything from um, poetry and mathematics to uh, medicine, to uh, philosophy, architecture. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. It's, It's such an amazing place. How long is it from uh, from where you are in um, in Torremolinos to uh, to Cordoba? Approximately two hours, uh, plus whatever break we take on the way. Yeah, so it's a nice day, full nice full day excursion. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely. Mm-hmm. Alexander, you started in Andalusia in eighteen, and you've been working with these VLTO long term holidays. What do you see are some of the challenges that are specific to these kind of trips? Well, the main difference with the long-term concept is that it's much more based on teamwork. You don't have your own guests in that sense. Uh, so so when you do round trips, you have a group of guests, they get your phone number, and you are their tour leader. This isn't the case here. So with the same guests, I maybe do uh, Malaga, and then I do Granada and Sevilla, while somebody else does uh, Ronda, Mijas, and uh, 
Cordoba, for example. And yeah. um, and then uh, somebody else entirely will will take care of some of the activities. And uh, that 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 means that if, uh, for example, a guest comes to me while I'm on ex- on an excursion and says that, well, I, I want to change a room or I want to um, uh, know when that activity comes up and things like that, then then I may be in the situation where I have to pass the ball on to somebody else to uh, to help the guests one, once they get back because maybe they're sitting at hotel service or, or something. And um, uh, that, that, that's both, uh, that, that can be a challenge, but at the same time, it's, it's really uh, a nice way to work. You just have to kind of let go, you know? And that, that can be the hard part as a tour leader, to let go and let somebody else take responsibility as well. Yeah, and I can I can imagine also that you need a, quite a lot of teamwork and coordination about what do we say on which trips. Absolutely, and and also launching activities and uh, and uh, if something requires a list or a ticket sale or something, uh, you have to make sure that uh, all the guests get the information simultaneously or that they know where they can get it at which time, and um, uh, that, that that's a really important part, especially if you have something that has to go on all hotels at the same time that you're well coordinated. That's very important. Yeah, yeah. So it, it there's a big question about operation and logistics that you might not normally have as much focus on. On uh, exactly. of course, there's a lot of logistics in a normal tour, on a normal round trip as well. But it's just different. It's different. There's so many customers involved. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so. Alexander, if you were going to tell um, someone that hadn't been a tour leader before or was a new tour leader, some of the some of the tricks that or tips that you are most fond of that 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 help you the most in your daily work, what could that be? I would say that the thing that helps me the most, something that I've had with me from the start, even when I didn't know too many things about Cordoba, Sevilla, or, or anything, the most important part is genuinely liking the guests. If you genuinely like the guests, they respond liking you back. And then you can, without a problem, say, well, I, I don't know exactly that fact, but I'll find out and I'll, uh, I'll try to, um, to uh, figure it out so, 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 so that I can tell you later. And um, the, the way you do that, basically, is, is first off, um, try sharing something about yourself. I... I'm a bit of an oversharer, but for some reason that works for me. I, I share a lot of details about my life, about my experiences growing up here in Spain, uh, about um, what the school was like, about uh, also about my family currently. Sometimes I tell a funny story about my kids and uh, the, the people love that. And um, that, that creates kind of a personal con- connection. They feel like they know me. They feel like they can share with me as well. And um, once the personal connection is established and they already like me, then whatever I say after that, they they will take as the truth because they trust me, you know? Not that I don't say uh, the truth when I'm talking to the guests. I always give them the truth. But but, uh, as I I said, sometimes I don't know the facts and and that becomes more okay when they feel that they trust me and that that they uh, connect with me. And uh, genuinely liking the guests is the easiest way of doing that. Uh, and and I do genuinely like the guests. And, and seriously, now more than ever, because I'm so thankful that they're coming and that I get to do this job that I love. 
Uh, that's a good, that's a great tip. All right, Alexander, thank you so much for uh, joining us here. And uh, thank you for sharing all of your, uh, your knowledge and your experiences. It's been great. Thank you, Thomas. It was nice to participate. Thank you.